Hello everyone and welcome to the CircuitPython Weekly for December 16th, 2019. I am Katni and I am sponsored by Adafruit to work on CircuitPython. CircuitPython is a version of Python that runs on tiny computers called microcontrollers and it is designed to make getting started with uh, hardware and programming super simple. Um, we gather uh, every week for this meeting to hear what's going on with our community, to talk about the state of the CircuitPython project, and to sync up and uh, get a chance to hear about what everyone's up to. This meeting is held on Discord. Uh, if you are not already a member, you can join us uh, at adafru.it slash discord. We are there all week. And um, we, uh, we're, we're there in the, in the chat, so if you ever have any questions or want to discuss something outside of this meeting, we're always available. Um, but the meeting is uh, held weekly, typically on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. If ever there is a change, we will post that to the CircuitPython channel. Um, changes are typically around US holidays. Uh, this meeting is recorded. So we record both the uh, text channel, the CircuitPython text channel, and um, all of the audio. So if for whatever reason you don't want your voice recorded, you can post your updates to the channel and we will read them off. We have a notes document that goes along with the meeting and um, you can feel free to add your status updates and hug reports to it before the meeting. Or if you're not going to be attending the meeting, you can also add your status updates and we will read them off um, while you're uh, in, in order um, as we would normally like you were there. Uh, CircuitPython development is sponsored by Adafruit, so please support them by purchasing hardware at adafruit.com. Um, and as well, uh, this is released on YouTube and also to um, podcast services. So if you are more interested in podcasts, uh, check that out. And if you find that we are not available on your favorite podcast service, let us know and we will do what we can to fix it. This meeting is held in five parts. The first part is community news, which is a look at what's going on with Python on hardware in the community. It's sort of a preview of our newsletter um, and it's just a chance to hear what's going on um, around the world uh, with, with Python. The second section is State of Circuit Python in the Libraries, which is a statistical overview of the project. It gives us a chance to sort of uh, see the health of the project outside of uh, what it is we're actually up to. The next section is Hug Reports. Hug Reports is a chance to call out people for doing something good. If um, it is held in a round robin format where I will start and we will go down the list alphabetically you to give everybody an opportunity. If you are text only or lurking, let us know. Um, if you are missing the meeting and you want us to read them off, you can um, add uh, them to the notes, like I said, and we'll read them off alphabetically. The next section is status updates which is a chance to talk about what you've been up to for the past week since the last meeting and what you're going to be up to for the next week until the next meeting. Um, 
This is also held in a round robin format, so take a couple minutes and let us know uh, what you're up to. And um, it's also an opportunity for other people to give you tips and tricks uh, on something if you are uh, running into issues and or um, need assistance. Um, and if there's anything that is a more longer form discussion, we have our last section, which is in the weeds. And that is uh, where we have our longer discussions that don't really fit in status updates. Um, sometimes they will come out of status updates where we'll move something to in the weeds. Other times we will have in the weeds topics, um, which we already have one in the notes. So if you do have an in the weeds topic, please post it to the chat or to the notes document um, during the meeting so that we are not uh, sitting around waiting for a long period of time um, for that to happen. So uh, with that, I am going to hand it over to Phil with Community News. All right, thank you, Katni. Mm -hmm. Okay, first up, I wanna do a hug report for Cedar Griff for always putting cool stuff up on the Twitters and the YouTubes and all that. Um, I saw the uh, PyPanel test and uh, some of the Stemma stuff that you're doing. So I know you're gonna be, I think, talking about it later on in the chat and I will um, watch it later because I have to go to a meeting right after this, but thanks for, um, putting that stuff up there that's uh really neat to see i think there's some type of uh you plug in a stemma and it'll be able to say which stem is plugged in so anyways cool stuff so that's my hub report uh, 1500 thanks to everybody out there we hit 1500 stars on github uh, Katni said the other day over email she's like hey we're close and i'm like okay cool and you can see uh, we have a new graphic um because you know celebrating and then you can see we're like last year january um when things kind of uh you know went straight up like that so thank you everyone you could see a lot of folks got involved over the last year and one of the common things is people hit star we also have some really nice forks all that good stuff um some hardware that's out there that i thought was kind of neat it's making the rounds. This is CircuitBrains Deluxe. It's a CircuitPython Castellated module package. So if you wanted to get like all the goodness of CircuitPython and that type of form factor, uh, that's from Kevin. Um, Serpente is back. Uh, Arturo is um, probably going to have some in our store as well, but they're also on Tindy right now. So you can see they have uh, a new flavor. There's a male USB-C one, and they also did some castellation on outside of the board there. Um, Professor John is putting up a ton of courses. This is neat. If you're an educator, um, you could probably base your course off this, and he's a real professor. That probably helps. Um, there's slides, there's videos, and there's a Google Doc. And I put a link to the Google Doc, which has most of everything in there. Um, over the weekend, I saw that there are 30 million Raspberry Pis sold. Um, we keep track of market share numbers. Some companies release them, some don't, but usually when there's a pu public release of some type of number, uh, we'll keep track of it. And because we have a decade plus of blog posts, um, you can kind of see the the rate in which. So we started all the way back in like 2013 when Raspberry Pi hit like the first million, now up to 30 million. And one way to think about the Raspberry Pi, it's a, a very low cost way to get Blinka out there. Um, and we have, a huge amount of stuff going on on circuitpython.org slash Linka. And okay, good, Summersoft. I had the same thing happen Summersoft last week, by the way. On, live on the air, our fire alarm company was calling me. Um, so anyways, for Raspberry Pi stuff, take a look at circuitpython.org slash Blinka. And if you know anyone with a Raspberry Pi, a lot of times there's um, 
they sit in a drawer until there's a project. But now that CircuitPython and Blink has come along, you could do a lot more, especially with hardware interfaces with it. So it might be a good time to look at that free Raspberry Pi-ish that you got a long time ago. Um, there is uh, some slides and more from the CircuitPython talk at PyComp. And uh, I think there's, yeah, I put the slides up there. Um, this is at uh, Hyderabad, and it's an introduction to hardware. Um, and this is from Anweshas, I think that's the name. And take a look at that. So we're seeing more and more CircuitPython events, CircuitPython talks, and CircuitPython resources. And we don't even know about these, but folks tweet them and tag them, so we add them to the newsletter. Um, two more notes before I go. There's still more time if you want to enter the Hackaday and DigiKey Take Flight with Feather. There's 54 entries altogether, and they're all really good. And some of them will be made and manufactured here at Adafruit. And then I started to put together a whole bunch of stats, and I put it at the bottom of the dock because it would have pushed everything down. So um, the stats, I'm not going to put them in Discord because there's like a ton of them. But uh, just to give you a sample, um, these are the type of stats that I'm going to do for the, the year-end newsletter. How many guides, how many pages of CircuitPython guides, um, number of products at Adafruit, number of forum posts, topics. Um, so this just goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, so if there's things that we didn't get in that list, uh, drop me a note PT to Adafruit if you see anything interesting. Um, Scott's probably going to be doing the CircuitPython 2020 article soon, but I, I, I kind of want to cover as many things as possible. We'll probably get really close to like, um, here's one, one of my favorite stats, um, how many boards we have. And if you look at it, there's more non-Adafruit boards um, in circuitpython.org slash downloads. That means there's a lot of uh, opportunities for uh, people to put CircuitPython on different boards and also people are making their own boards. So we're really pleased about that. Um, so altogether with Blinko over hundred, but we're getting really close with the number of uh, standalone boards on downloads. And that is the community news. Thanks, Phil. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, next up is the state of CircuitPython and the libraries. This is a statistical overview of the health of the project, sort of separated from uh, what it is we're actually up to. This is a by the numbers look at what's been going on. We will talk about the project overall, then we'll talk more specifically about the core and the libraries. Um, and also we have a new section, uh, which is the Blinka section. So uh, let's see, we'll start with um, overall. Uh, overall, and this covers both the core and the libraries, we have 30 pull requests merged by 12 authors. Um, I don't believe I've ever seen GM Paris before, so thank you very much for that contribution. And eight reviewers. We had 13 issues closed by nine people and five closed by three people, or five opened by three people rather, so we are net down uh, overall, which is excellent. And uh, overall, uh, we are pushing through doing beta releases of 5X. Um, we recently did beta one uh, with a number of fixes and um, features and all kinds of stuff going on there. Um, and of course, uh, promptly we found more issues, but that's the whole point. 
So we are working through those and we'll be doing another release this week, ideally. Um, in terms of the libraries, we are up over 200, which is amazing. And um, we are continuing to add them and continuing to improve. And um, as we always say, libraries are a great way to get started contributing. Um, we have all kinds of pull requests and issues open uh, that need attention. And um, if you are interested in getting started, we have uh, guides. We're also available on Discord to help. And um, you can uh, pretty easily find something to um, get started with contributing. And uh, with that, I will turn it over to Scott to talk about the core. Awesome. Thank you, Katni. Okay. Uh, on the core side, we had 15 pull requests merged, which is, I think, I feel like a bit higher than we normally do. So uh, great job, everybody. We had six authors. Um, Sarfata is the newest author in the list, I believe. And we had four reviewers. So thanks to all those reviewers. We have seven open pull requests, which is actually relatively low for us, which is great. A number of those are uh, recently opened. If you want to see the, the full list, uh, check out the notes doc. Issues-wise, we had five closed issues by four people and three open by two people. So we're net down for a total of 204 open issues. And again, there's a link in the notes doc to uh, a list of all those issues. Most of them are assigned a milestone. The only We only have four that are not issued a milestone. Uh, this doesn't worry me too much because I feel like we're just wrapping up all of the feature work for 5.0 and then we'll really hit uh, the issue list hard. So you'll expect, I would expect to see everything get assigned a milestone and really hammer down all of the bug fixes and, and any features that are left open there. Um, so that will be more relevant in a few weeks. Um, in the notes doc, we have download stats. Uh, it's, we have them split out by board and by language. Uh, recommend people take a look at that if need be. Um, the 410 is our latest stable, and we've had 22,513 downloads of that. I don't know how many weeks it's been out, but uh, we certainly have. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a good idea, Jeff. Jeff suggests uh, including a number of how many good first issues we've got. Um, so 22,000 of 410, and it's been out a while, so that's nothing new. Uh, but 5.0 Beta 1 was released last week, and we've already had 656 downloads. Um, it looks like, well, over half of those have been for the Circuit Playground Blue Fruit uh, at 399 downloads for that. So we're definitely hit, uh, directing people to 5.0 with the, the, with the new uh, BLE changes and stuff. So uh, it's about time that we start to stabilize that. So working really hard to get everything in there, and then we'll stabilize it. So um, as Katni said, we'll get a beta two out this week as well because uh, we Jerry was nice enough to find some issues for us in beta one and they've been fixed. So before the holidays, uh, hopefully tomorrow, but like by Wednesday, it would be good to get beta two out the door too. So um, that's where we're at on the core. Excellent, thank you. Mm -hmm. Next up is the libraries. Uh, so this is across all of the CircuitPython libraries. We had 15 pull requests merged by eight authors and eight reviewers, uh, which is always excellent. Um, having uh, reviewing is a, is, a, is a great way to contribute and uh, we can't complete the process without it. We have 36 open pull requests. Many of these are 
very old. Um, we still need to go through and figure out what we want to do um, with some of those, uh, whether they're still relevant, that sort of thing. Um, we have eight closed issues by seven people and two open by two people, so we are net down for 128 open issues. If you want to see a list of all of those issues, they are aggregated at circuitpython.org contributing. Um, you can also find a list of all the open PRs and also a list of library infrastructure issues, which are um, us keeping track of making sure that our libraries are up to the standard that we set. Uh, all of those are ways to get started uh, contributing to CircuitPython. Um, and in terms of library updates in the last week, we had one new library, uh, which was the MCP4728, and one updated, or two updated libraries rather, um, and uh, that is where we are with libraries. Um, and with that, I will hand it over, if she's ready for it, hand it over to Melissa to talk about Blinka. Yeah, uh, let's see here. Where is the... Okay. Um, let's see, this is my first time doing this, so... Uh, okay, for Blinka, we have uh, one uh, pull request that was merged uh, by one author, one reviewer, that was uh, Carter and Lady Ada uh, as a reviewer. And we have one open pull request on there. And so we had a total of one closed issue by one person and one open by one person uh, with 23 remaining open issues. Uh, Melissa, can you quickly explain what Blinka is? Yes, uh, Blinka is our CircuitPython library compatibility layer for the Raspberry Pi and other single board computers. Excellent. All right. Uh, and that is the state of CircuitPython, the libraries, and Blinka. So next up is Hug Reports. Hug Reports is an opportunity to call people out for doing something good. Um, we feel this doesn't happen enough, so we insist on doing it ourselves. Um, we will uh, do this in a round-robin format where I will start as an example and then continue down the list alphabetically. If you are lurking, uh, we will skip over you. If you are text only, uh, let us know and I will read it off. Um, if you uh, missed the meeting and put in notes, I will be reading those off as we go as well. Um, and uh, I think that about sums up hug reports. So I will go ahead and get started. So first and foremost, I wanna give a hug report to Mr. Drummer 25. This is not a CircuitPython related hug report um, for helping uh, this is a user on Discord for helping another user named Doodle with learning HTML and CSS. I have been watching these two go back and forth for hours at a time, and I finally asked them if they knew each other before they started this epic learning session, and it turns out they did not. That uh, Doodle just asked the question, and Mr. Drummer25 saw something that they could help with, and that's sort of why we created this community. And so it's really excellent to see that happening, and I wanted to call that out. Um, uh, Doodle is apparently trying to create a website of some sort, and Mr. Drummer25 is in help making that happen. So that was really excellent to see. I'm going to give a hug report to Crayola for continuing work on the LED animations library, continued work on Pixelbuff, and for sorting out why a library we were dealing with wasn't deploying to PyPI. 
Um, thank you to Carter and Thea for reviewing the initial PR to the LED animations library. Thanks to Scott and Dan for getting beta one out the door in time for my guide. Um, another hug report for Dan for helping with updating the Circuit Playground Library and for figuring out why the update was failing on the Circuit Playground Express. Thanks to Jeff for verifying an audio issue on the NRF boards and clarifying the situation so I could respond to a user reported issue. And last, I want to give a hug report to Anwisha, who was mentioned in the community news for giving a presentation. Um, there was some pretty serious negativity that happened around that presentation and she has persevered through it and I wanted to give her a hug report for that. So keep up the good work um, and thank you for presenting on CircuitPython. And next up is Crayola. So I wanted to give a hug report to Scott for helping sort out the subscript um, challenges, to, which are sort of the last piece needed to get the new pixel buff API changes in place. So I hope we can get that merged soon. I just need to finish testing and looking at that. Um, the next one was to, or is to Katni for helping get the Christmas tree wired up. My first try at wire, putting the wires in was done upside down. Second time it was too far apart, so really needed her help there. And then to Jeff for the compressed Qster or whatever it was called that freed up enough flash that I could actually get a successful build. All right, excellent. Next up is maker Melissa. Hello, let's see here. Okay, oh, I'm in the wrong section. Okay, uh, I have a hug report for John Park for the fun collaboration that we did. Um, and one for uh, Phil Moyer for uh, the great uh, Sphero Library discussion that we had. Uh, and one for Serfata for providing a better uh, picture for the shirty board quickly and a group hug. Excellent. Uh, next up is Sedacious. Hello, sorry about that. Uh, let's see, what was I up to? Uh, that's no, that's the wrong section. Oh, God, <laughs> pay attention, Brian. Um, I want to give a group hug to everyone for being awesome, just because everyone's awesome. Also, I have two hug reports for Summersoft. The first for all his work in, um, generally speaking, just supporting um, everything we need to do to move to GitHub Actions. Uh, and then specifically for his work on getting um, the uh, library bundle moved over to GitHub Actions, um, looking at the PRs he put in and um, that were later merged. Uh, it was a big bunch of work um, that uh, took lots of effort. So I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate having someone like Summersoft in the community that uh, helps out as much as he does. Uh, secondly, I want to give a hug report, a second one, with a small frowny face slash smiley face and a winky face to Summersoft for scooping me on adding the GitHub Actions stuff to uh, the uh, cookie cutter. I have a PR sitting on my desktop or rather a push 
that I haven't pushed yet, then he scooped me on it, but that's great. Um, it's nice seeing people uh, pick up my slack. So thank you for that. And uh, hug reports for everyone. Yay. All right, thanks. Uh, next up is Summersoft. Hello. So uh, I got a hug report to um, Sedacious, uh, Scott, uh, Justin Cooper on the website side, and then Katni um, for the reviews on, on Adabot and the CircuitPython uh, .org PRs for those migrations to GitHub Actions that uh, Sedacious was mentioning. Um, there, there were a lot of them and in off-duty hours, so I appreciate that over the weekend. Um, and then hug report to everybody, all the contributors uh, that made uh, Beta 1 possible, and then just a group hug. I will, I will ditto Sedacious. Sedacious is uh, everyone is awesome comment. Yeah. All right, thanks. Next up is Scott. Hello. Okay, I just uh, first wanted to echo the hug report to Summersoft for all of the work on the automation side of things. It's just awesome to see uh, all of that automation get improved constantly and like, oh, we want to add all these stats to the thing and Summersoft's totally cool with that. So really, really, really appreciate you owning that stuff uh, for sure. And then the other thing I wanted to say hug reports wise uh, was, uh, I didn't put it in the notes, but first to Jerry for the finding the issues with beta one. Um, I have a bad habit of only using it in debug mode. And I was actually not also using GCC nine. I am now, but I wasn't. Uh, so there were some pretty serious bugs that Jerry brought up after we had done the release. Um, and then thanks to Dan for doing his Google foo and finding the two kind of issues on MicroPython that had uh, included fixes for GCC nine. Um, and then I took those and, and patched them, and they fixed the issues that we were seeing. So uh, lastly, a thanks to Jamie and George, who's the MicroPython guy, uh, for finding those issues like months ago. Um, it makes me want to really, like with CircuitPython 6, take the time to get us up to date with what, where MicroPython is. So I expect to see that uh, with CircuitPython 6 as well. So thanks to Dan, Jerry, and Damien for the GCC9 stuff. Excellent. Mm -hmm. All right. So we have two people lurking, and then I have uh, C. Grover, who is text only, so I will read that off. A hug report to Sedacious for giving great advice and allowing his ear to be bent multiple times. To the author, David Beasley, for giving me something to read so very late last night, Python Essential Reference 4th Edition. A rich novel with many characters, twists and turns, and more than one plotline to follow. And to Katni for helping with a stalled cricket library merge. Uh, Charles Bernafort is lurking, and so next up is Dan. Hello. So I, I want to um, echo what um, Scott said about thanking Jerry. Jerry uh, has been persistent in testing uh, some long-standing bugs with the NRF file system, and I uh, got to work on that, and it took didn't take very long to figure out what was going wrong. So I think we have that fixed now. And also the um, REPL issues with um, beta 1, we didn't really see this problem where you would get an error only if there was an error in the REPL, and then it would do weird things. Um, so that was the GCC9 error that Scott was talking about. 
And I'd like to thank Hadney, who uh, keeps on trying things to do actual projects with the Beadley Library and then finding out problems and um, saying this doesn't work so well and the failure, this failure case is a problem and it makes us fix the library uh, in various ways, which is very helpful. Okay. All right. Um, Dave P is lurking. Dishibu, are you also lurking or are you here today? All right, lurking, excellent. Um, so a couple more people lurking. So next up is Hair Effect. Um, this week, just group hug to everybody because you're great. And um, specifically, uh, a uh, thank you to uh, TAC for uh, tackling a USB issue that came up um, for the STM32 last week really quickly uh, and helping us sync up between the two um, projects, use tiny USB and uh, CircuitPython with, so we could get that problem out, out of the way really quickly. So, yep. All right, great. Um, next up is Hukuza Tuna, who is text only, so I'll read that off. Thanks to Lady Ada for being patient with my botched issue creation, and to Melissa for taking the time to look at the display I.O. bug I reported. And uh, let's see, Jason is lurking, so next up is Jeff. Hello, everybody. I feel like I have a lot of hug reports this week. Uh, to Scott and Dan for helpful reviews, including on a PR we decided to postpone. Uh, which had to do with uh, some kind of NRF. No, I, I forget what it was. Uh, it's gone. Uh, and Scott for being pragmatic about another bug where we put in a Band-Aid fix and we'll come back and fix it right later. And thanks to Lamore and Phil for their testing, incitement, excitement, and encouragement on the MP3 player I'm working on. Thanks to Anne for helping me toward making an Adafruit blog post, which will be my first one that will come up sometime soon. Thanks to Kevin Neubauer, who I just learned is living in Nebraska like me and doing cool CircuitPython stuff like the board that was linked in the community news. And he's also uh, organizing some kind of um, hardware meetup in Omaha, so I hope to go to that soon. And hi, Summersoft. It seems like forever since we've chatted, so good to see you. All right. Next up is Jerry. Hi. Um, yeah. Uh... Katni, thanks for the uh, NeoPixel Animator Guide. It's a, it's a great great guide, and, and, and what a great project. I'm just having a blast with it. It's uh, really fun. And, and, and following that, you know, to Adafruit in general, the, the, the CPB, the Bluefruit, is, is, a, is a great platform. It really is uh, uh, an amazing piece of machinery to, to have out there in the wild now. And um, Dan and Scott, for, congratulations for Beta 1 and, uh, and for that quick turnaround on fixing those nasty file system issues so all coming together. All right. Thanks, Jerry. Mm. And that is Hug Reports. So next up is Status Updates. Status Updates is a chance for everyone to sync up on what they've been up to over the last week since the last meeting uh, and will be up to 
uh, over the next week until the next meeting. Uh, so take a couple minutes, let us know what you've been up to, what you're going to be up to. Um, this is going to be held in a round robin as well. Uh, I will start uh, as same as with hug reports, and then I will go down the list alphabetically. I will read notes for people who are text only or uh, are missing the meeting. Um, and uh, everyone who wants to will get a chance to give us an update. So with that, I will get started. So last week, uh, I finished some a couple of fritzing objects uh, that needed to be done up. So now we have those for our new Stemma OLEDs. Uh, we've got the new Pixel SPI library deployed to PyPI following um, a very weird issue. Um, weird in the sense that uh, Carter and I couldn't figure it out, but thank you again to Crayola for sorting out the fact that it was just a permissions issue on the repo. Um, updated the MCP 9600 guide with Python usage. We had an issue with the way that write to then read from worked for I squared C, and that was fixed um, about a week ago. And so we were finally able to move forward with updating that guide with uh, Blinka and Python usage. Uh, I also verified that no other guides or um, updates were on hold for the same reason as the MCP 9600. Um, added the default files, which is to say the files that the PyPortal Titano ships with to GitHub. Uh, I finished the Circuit Playground Bluefruit NeoPixel Animation and Color Remote Control Guide. Uh, this is a fun project that I've been working on over the past week or so, where uh, one Circuit Playground Bluefruit acts as a remote control to another one, controlling animations and color uh, on the NeoPixel LEDs and a couple of strips connected to them. Uh, and I blogged and updated, or blogged the um, updated and new guide releases. Started working on the Circuit Playground library update to have a board agnostic import mechanism that allows for single examples to work on both the Express and the Bluefruit. Um, found some issues there, but um, we now have a path forward for making that happen. Um, I replied to an issue reported with the audio out guide code in the Circuit Playground Express product guide that turns out is a known issue using that code on Bluefruit. Um, that's the NRF issue that, the NRF audio issue that I mentioned in Hug Reports. And uh, regardless of the bug, I put in a PR to update the comment in the audio code to clarify what is meant by looping um, as it references looping a sine wave sample. And the user that reported the issue on the Bluefruit um, seemed like it was possible that the, it was not just the bug, it was also confusion as to what the loop um, in audio.play actually does. So clarified that. Uh, this week is Library Monday. Um, I mean, I need to, uh, thanks to Jerry for pointing this out, I need to update the animation guide code to remove the um, or not remove, but comment out the streaming color prints. Um, when there's a gizmo attached to the Circuit Playground Bluefruit, it is constantly rendering the REPL on the display if there's nothing else being pushed to the display, and it slows down the code really significantly. So um, I'm gonna comment those out and make them optional uh, by default, so that way if people are using the guide with a gizmo attached to the Circuit Playground Bluefruit, it doesn't slow down the code to you know, the point of being unusable. Um, 
Kenny? Yeah. Yeah, just to follow up on it, you know, it it only is a problem too if if the if it's not run from code.py. Oh. In other words, you know, if you just have the gizmo on there and it's code.py, then it never starts up the display. Oh, fair enough. So in most cases, people would never see it. But if anyone ever does run it from the REPL, then it just, it really bogs down. Gotcha. So, that, well, it's, yeah. I mean, it's a simple fix. Um, yeah, no, I think it, it works great. <laughs> yeah, it won't, it won't detract from anything because, I mean, the, the whole project is meant to be wireless anyway. So it's really unlikely right. that people are going to be connected to um, the REPL to watch okay, those prints happen anyway. Um, so then I will continue updating the circuit playground library and begin updating the examples to use the new import. Um, I have a fritzing object to do, uh, and then there's stuff that I got from my previous meeting that I didn't have a chance to update the notes with, um, which is the fritzing objects for the two new Pi portals. Um, the, we're going to be updating the Pi portal guide to have the Pi portal pint in it. Um, and then creating a new guide for the Pi Portal Titano because I guess it is different enough that uh, it warrants its own guide. And then once those two things are done, I am apparently going to be doing some motor projects. Uh, we have a ton of Circuit Python support for using motors with motor drivers, but apparently no code posted anywhere. So I will be doing some kind of projects using CircuitPython um, to show uh, how to use motors with motor drivers, um, presumably so that we can put together a guide with that. But I'm not really sure what the specifics are on that yet, because that is after everything else. And that is my status update. So King North is lurking. So next up is Crayola. So I had a busy week. Um, started with try working. Where's my notes here? This is got talking about long. Um, so the Christmas tree assembly, which led to working on more of the Adafruit and Light animation library. Um, actually, just finished working on a new animation and feature just now to do horizontal groups and vertical groups across the tree. Um, so let's see what else did I do? Yeah, I pushed that feature up just a few minutes ago and working on fixes to it. And then I did some testing on how to fix this obscure issue, which uh, I believe Scott has a fix for. So I have to look at that. Um, I also sent a PR in for a building.md, which addresses a sort of a frequent complaint of mine that I can't find the git commands I need. Um, and other build commands, and I have to go searching through learn or searching Git, or sorry, Google to find the commands. Uh, so it gives links to the critical uh, um, documents on learn, as well as for those people that are used to searching the code base for Git commands, they can now find that if that PR gets approved. Looking for feedback on that for anything else we should include in the repo for helping people that look in the repo for build instructions. Um, so, and then the last thing I have to do this week is try to get to the PyPixel buff so we have a complete solution and that Blinka will happily run pixel buff uh, code. All right. Thanks very much. Uh, next up is Maker Melissa. 
Hello. Let's see here. Uh, okay, so last week I uh, finished updating the Charlie Plex guide, and um, then I wrote an Arduino e-ink breakout example for the image reader library. And then I I also worked with uh, John Park to put together ANCS demo for his show. And I updated the PyBadger library to work really excellently with external fonts now. Uh, this week, I am going to work on porting a Python-based anime GIF player to PyTFT displays. That was uh, one I'd worked on with the CharlieFlex guide. And then I'm going to be updating uh, some repos to point people to from the old bitmap code to the new e-ink breakout example. Updating the Python your own library, your own uh, adventure library to work with the PyPortal Titano. And starting on the HT16K33 library Python guide updates if there's time. And that's it. All right, thanks. Next up is Sedacious. Alrighty, so uh, over the last week, I shipped the drivers for the ICM 2649, the LSM 60SOX, and Lamore's MLX 9640 driver. Um, I also uh, published the CircuitPython driver for the MCP 4728 quad DAC. Um, furthermore, on that chip, I am putting the finishing touches on the Arduino driver. Um, Stabbing one or two last features uh, before we ship it. Um, then, um, what else? Uh, what did I do this week? Uh, in non circuit Python related things, I did some more work on my office this week and weekends, more reorganization, um, some light electrical work, um, moving things around, shuffling stuff and whatnot. Um, still trying to reorganize. Uh, this coming week, I'm going to be working on the tester code for the MCP for uh, 4728. Um, I'm going to also be bringing up a new sensor board, most likely, and starting on the drivers for that. Let's see. Um, the LSM60SOX should be coming out soon, so I am going to finish up the guide for that uh, so it's ready for release. Um, and then back in uh, office updates. Uh, this next week, I'm going to be doing some light demo, uh, removing things that no longer need to be here um, that may be attached to the house, uh, and then probably doing some painting and reorganizing or reshuffling furniture around and all kinds of fun stuff. I'm probably losing everything that I need, I'm sure. Um, that's it for me. Oh, one last thing. Uh, pro tip. If you have a lot of stuff to organize, buy a labeler. Uh, specifically, I recommend the brother labeler that I can't find in front of me. But it's amazing because, among other things, you can plug it into your computer and use it as a tiny printer and use their um, provided software to make custom labels and pull in a CSV file. Uh, as a database and print out a bunch of similar labels for stuff. Uh, I use that to label a bunch of um, sensors I got from DigiKey, and it's been very, very useful. So I recommend it highly. And uh, maybe I'll post a link in the chat if I find the model. That's it for me. Bye. All right, excellent. Next up is Summersoft. 
Hello again. Um, so last week, um, as has been mentioned, uh, so for Adabot, um, I migrated, migrated the, the daily job. So the, the one that does the bundle releases uh, each day and then the one that runs the various reports. Um, migrated those from Travis CI to GitHub Actions. Um, and then I also started working on the um, Blinkist stats for the daily report and these meeting notes. Um, and I, I ran it this morning before I, while I was getting ready for work um, and had time to paste it into today's notes. Um, but that hasn't been sent up yet. And then um, I also migrated uh, circuitpython.org's um, libraries and contributing information job from Travis to GitHub Actions. Um, and then just an unrelated kind of note. Um, so Physis CI, the, the CI that I'm I'm kind of building for Rosie, um, its first Azure billing cycle ended last week. Um, and the invoice total was one whole penny. Um, now, granted, this is based only on the development activity I've had up up until this point, um, but I don't think it's going to be a hundred times more in in use. So I think it it'll still meet my goal of low cost um, to uh, to operate. I was shooting for under a dollar, and I think I'll get there um, under a dollar a month, I should say. So for this next week, um, I'll finish uh, plan on finishing the the Blinka and stats info. Um, I'm going to add a uh, board count for the board supported both for the core and for Blinka um, to the report. And then um, probably going to get back into um, some physics CI work. I need to get the Azure framework finished. And then I get to go back to working on a, on a Raspberry Pi and build out the new server and client for that. So that's where I'm at. All right. Thanks. Next up is Scott. All right. Hello. Uh, last week released beta one. Um, I then followed up with a couple of bug fixes. Thanks to what Jerry found. Uh, we talked about that a little bit earlier. I did lots of reviews of awesome code. So keep the reviews coming. I enjoy doing them. Love to see new stuff get in there. Um, my main kind of code work has been on packet buffer, which is a packet buffer uh, kind of like a sibling of characteristic buffer, but keeps track of like what uh, at packets uh, stuff comes in and out of. Uh, this is really useful for protocols that require you knowing kind of like how big the packets were originally. Um, one of that is Beely HID, or not HID, um, Beely MIDI is that way, and the Apple Media Service is that way as well. Um, so I... And working on Apple Media Service, I thought it should be working, and it's not. Um, so I'm going to take a bit more of a look at that this week. Uh, the main task for me, though, is uh, kind of teaching teaching the way to do all of this new BLE stuff. Uh, I've kind of been lazy in putting like new functionality into our core BLE uh, repo, but that's not a great way to do it because it doesn't make it easy for other people to create uh, their own uh, repositories for different BLE devices. So uh, kind of my main task this week is to split out the ones I've already done into separate repos as models for how people can add support for other things. Um, 
So I'm going to do that. And then I want to poke around with AMS just a little bit more. I don't want to get rat hole too hard into getting it to work. Uh, but I do want to take a bit of a look today with some fresh eyes to see if I can't figure out why it's not working. And uh, I want to kind of do BLE MIDI that, uh, as well this week for that. Um, I want to release beta 2 because we have some good bug fixes in there. And if there's anything on anybody's radar that needs to get into beta 2, please let me know. Um, we'll probably do that tomorrow or Wednesday just to get it out uh, earlier. Uh, I plan on turning into a bit of a pumpkin next week uh, during the holidays. So like Monday, I have to make two apple pies <laughs> uh, for Christmas Eve the next day. So uh, there, I'll, I will be a pumpkin next week. And I have it in the weeds thing about what our schedule will be uh, starting next week. So we can talk about that there. And then the, the last thing on my radar is uh, PyCon 2020's uh, call for presentations closes on the 20th. So I don't know what that is, like Friday, something like that. So I've got a... Um, shouldn't be too much work because uh, I was quite excited about one of the things I applied to for PyCascades that I didn't get accepted. So I'll probably polish that up and apply for that at PyCon. Um, that's kind of like a CircuitPython 101. So hardware, hardware stuff for software people, um, which should be good. And uh, I might try to brainstorm some alternatives just to give them some options as well. So uh, that's my week. All right. Thanks very much. All right. Uh, so next is C Grover, who is text only. Just a second, taking the time code, if I can type. All right, uh, so last week, designed and tested a semi-automatic STEMA device discovery scheme. Here's the process. A device catalog module containing a dictionary of device names, descriptions, and their individual import instantiation and test statements is created and then stored in the file system. A configuration discovery function imports the catalog and tries to establish a device instance. After walking through the device catalog, the discovery function shares a list of successfully attached devices. The scheme is useful, but not universal, since it would be difficult to maintain and synchronize a large number of device definitions. However, it'll be a time saver for small projects that need a bit of STEM device flexibility, like my sensor testing robot platform. It may also be helpful when I forget a device's fussy instantiation parameters. And there are two links in the notes. And then PCBs OMI oh simultaneously assembled and tested four PCBs. Although they were functional and useful, some improvement opportunities were discovered. Three of the four were redesigned. Hurrah for Osh Park and Osh Stencils. Next week, write a blog or guide about the robot friend project and resultant PyPanel concept. Learned too much in the process of it to not take the time to document and share. Wrap up closed driver duct temperature visualization project. Start no more than two PCB assembly projects and wrap up the panel enclosure design for the Euro VC0 and Workbench Waveform Generator projects and Laserum. Charles is lurking, so next up is Dan. Okay, so um, I had a big PR, which uh, Scott approved last week, which was to reorganize how internal flash was laid out um, and specified, so that's done. Um, I fixed the um, an internal bug 
a bug in uh, NRF internal file systems, which are not on any of our boards, but are true on the NRF dongle and some other third-party boards that Jerry had been trying. And the problem was that a particular variable was not volatile. So um, especially after we switched to GCC9, the compiler cleverly realized that since this variable wasn't volatile and it had been set to a certain value, that it could eliminate it completely from being checked in a loop. So there was an infinite loop <laughs> there, um, but there was also a fundamental bug. Um, and uh, we mentioned the GCC9 fixes. And the reason that I know about GCC9 fixes is that I read all the bug reports and issues that go by on MicroPython. Not that I remember them in detail, but that I remember, oh yeah, somebody mentioned something about this and then I can go look it up again. So skimming pays off. Uh, so this week I'm starting to work on um, uh, BLE bonding and this time it's for real. I know I've said that about six times and it's always been for the precursor code, but this time I really am working on it. And it's true because I actually wrote some. Okay. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Uh, we have some people lurking. So next up is Hair Effect. Thank you. Um, so uh, this past week, I've been working on uh, adding support for a board called the Meowbit for the SCAN32 port. Um, the Meowbit is kind of like a, a Pi Gamer-ish a uh, little board um, that's got some a lot of capability squeezed onto it. It's got a, a, the internal flash that we kind of expect for CircuitPython and full USB support, uh, but also a built-in SD card reader, the, a, a screen, a buzzer, a bunch of buttons. Um, so it's got uh, quite a lot of uh, functionality that uh, I'm hoping to add, and it'll be a fun board when it's done. But unfortunately, it has some things that make it a little bit complicated, the first of which is that it's not totally open, so it doesn't have an available schematic. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the kind of documentation about, you know, what pins are doing what kind of has to be derived out of their open bootloader code and, and uh, open MicroPython fork. Um, so that's ended up being a little bit hairy. Uh, I've gotten USB working and internal flash and everything going, but... Uh, the screen is still being a little bit stubborn, and I have um, I have some uh, questions about how we want to give people options for getting CircuitPython on there that I'd love to talk about in the weeds um, a little bit because they have their own custom bootloader uh, that I haven't been able to get working with CircuitPython, which I was hoping to do because that's going to be something that arrives on the meow bit, on every meow bit, uh, and it would be really great if we could get to work with it, but unfortunately, again, like a lot of the stuff for this project when it is open is in Chinese. Uh, and I don't speak that much Chinese. <laughs> so uh, it's a little tricky. Um, so if you know anything about bootloaders or you know anything about STM32, um, then uh, I, would, I would love to hear about it uh, in, the, in the weeds section. Um, also worked on a USB issue uh, that was impacting uh, this and another CircuitPython board that's new. Uh, we got the new a new kind of generic SDM32 board in called the uh, Black Pill last week. Oh, well, it's not actually called the Black Pill. It just looks like the SDM103 Black Pill. So that's been my name for it. It doesn't really have a name. It's one of these Alibaba Express um, kind of deals. Um, but uh, in any case, uh, both of these boards were suffering from a USB issue related to 
uh, not checking a line called VBUS. And uh, we fixed that in 10 USB really quickly with the help of TAC. So thank you, TAC. Um, and uh, so upcoming, I'm also kind of ordering a bunch of new STM32 boards to try and expand the number of things that we support with our STM32 port of CircuitPython. So uh, I want to just put out kind of an open call if anybody has a STM32 board that they would like to see supported, um, I would really love to hear about it. Uh, right now we have, of course, the Feather. Um, we're adding it for the Meow bit. We have a board called the PYB Nano V2 and uh, MicroPython's Pi board. Uh, and then we have three discoveries, the F411, uh, the F412, and uh, the um, F405 is uh, coming in. So um, if anybody has any others, uh, you know, MicroPython has kind of a starting list, but some of those were Kickstarter boards, so it's not super clear all the time whether they're worth supporting, because I know like the Netduino isn't available anymore, and uh, you know, any board that's only available, was only made ever made available out of its Kickstarters is not something that we could support. So I'm really looking for some input here. So if anybody has any ideas for STM32 boards that they want to see supported, um, give me a shout out. Um, so, and uh, that's pretty much it for me this week. Just going to be continuing to hack away at this magic. All right. Thanks. Next up is Hukuza Tuna, who is text only. Um, status, job hunting and reviewing issues for bits I can help with. Contemplating porting the Sphero Rover SDK to CircuitPython. Excellent. Okay. Next up is Jeff Epler. Hi again. Uh, last week I ironed out some MP3 playback issues, including uh, the parsing or skipping of ID3v2 tags, which let uh, Lemore's sample MP3s play. And I worked on getting stereo playback to work on SAMD51 with the DAC. There were just some pointer bugs there. And I uploaded an initial version of this MP3 player app, which I guess we're calling Jet Player, to GitHub. And uh, I'll share the link there in just a second. I ran into some DNMA lockups on SAMD. It seems like when you're playing audio and you're running the screen, sometimes it will lock up. It seems to be waiting for the DMA to the display to get done. That's all the further that I've characterized it. Um, and then this morning I ran into performance problems showing BMPs from the SD card on the Pi Gamer. It looks like it's specific to rotated LCDs. Um, don't know yet what we'll do there. So this week I'm going to look at the NRF raw sample looping bug, which uh, because of this problem with the guide, the decision was made to escalate that in priority. So that's now my number one. Uh, subsequent to that, I've got a lot of stuff related to the Jet Player. Uh, still hoping to get my first Adafruit blog post scheduled. And let's face it, I'm probably not going to pick up the STM stuff until after the new year. Uh, this week will be a pretty normal week for me. Next week, I will be uh, pretty light on the ground. Uh, my ongoing fun project is a 3D printed 10 keyless keyboard layout. So doing a lot of OpenSCAD um, to create a kind of configurable keyboard layout maker. And the top is done. The bottom needs to be designed. And that's got stuff like cutouts for where the USB will enter. And I need to find the, a microcontroller board. The matrix for a 10 keyless it's easiest if you have 23 digital IOs. 
I'd also like to fit in that little OLED display and Bluetooth. So I'm thinking an NRF52840 Feather plus a Seesaw board to get up to the I.O. count I need. Anyway, that's uh, what I've been up to and what I will be up to. Thank you. Excellent. Thanks very much. Next up is Jerry. Hello again. Uh, let's see, last week um, did some work on a, a PR to to enhance the RFM six nine and nine X libraries so that on a Raspberry Pi you can use uh, interrupts uh, for the receive packets. And actually, it was a nice idea, and it came from a from a GitHub user, Python Air, who's been really helpful in in checking it out and and trying to make it make it work better. Um, but uh, and it's opened up a whole lot of ideas for using interrupts on the Pi now with with some of the Circuit Python code. It's kind of kind of fun, and um, yeah. Then stumbled across these two little bugs or issues in the in the file systems on the on the um, NRF board. So glad to see that fixed. And uh, it it was kind of really mucking up the uh, um, the uh, NRF dongle. Um, but no, nice to have them back in service. And um, so next week, um, I've, I've been thinking a lot more and trying to get back to doing a bunch of work on these, um, on the various radio modules, the 6.9 and the 9X. And um, and one of the things I, I put in the code a long time ago was the ability to actually use the header, the Radiohead header, so you can do addressing. But we don't have any examples for it. So I really thought I'd try and concentrate this week on getting some examples out there for how to actually use that. And then in thinking about this whole thing with interrupts and and there's still inherently it's an unreliable transfer system the way we use it because you can you know there's a lot of dead time when the, if you're transmitting you can't listen and so you you end up dropping packets um and so the radiohead library has this what they call a reliable datagram mode where you basically acknowledge every packet and then there's a retransmission sequence i've been thinking that you know that might be useful to finally implement um so I'd be happy to take that on as a project, but uh, just I, I put out a couple of issues on each of the things just to see if anybody had any comments, either saying, "No, oh, don't bother. This is that's just a waste of time," or if anybody really would like to see it. So that's the plan. All right, excellent. Um, and it turns out uh, Drew is not lurking for status updates, so we're going to go back to Drew. Yeah, just a quick one. Uh, so a while back, I added PWM support for Pocket Beagle. Now just uh, raise the PR link out that all the different black and that's it. Okay, excellent. Thank you. And that is status updates. Uh, next up is in the weeds. In the Weeds is an opportunity for um, for more long-form uh, discussions about uh, any questions that people have, uh, things we want to talk about that are more involved than status updates, um, and that sort of thing. Uh, so we have a number of topics. If you have any topics and you haven't added them to the notes, please do so or post them to the text chat and we'll get it added and then go to you um, in order. And so first of all, I'm going to hand it over to Jerry. Thanks. Um, and this is just a you know, throw out there. I, I don't know if other people have run into it, but I noticed this morning I was playing around uh, with the 
NeoPixel animator stuff. And and I quickly managed to corrupt two different blue fruits um, and had to had to you know redo the, the whole file systems. It's been a while since I've run into that, and so it sort of reminded me of some of the earlier days and some of these things where that would happen. And so just a heads up, I don't know if something going on or again it might just be you know my my handling. So, but um, I don't know if other people are running into those particular boards or you know anything else getting corrupted fairly easily. Um, I definitely didn't run into it in the entire time that I worked on the project, and um, I tested it on two different pairs. Uh, yeah, I don't have any reason to think it's, it has anything to do with that project. No, so no, it may I'm have. Saying, like, sure, it has something to do with the way I'm, I'm doing a lot of resetting of the things and stuff like that. So. So, so just again, uh, if I if I can find it, if it's consistent, I'll, I'll work up an issue. But I just want to. Talk, Are you it using your Mac as the base machine? No, I'm using a, a Linux box. Um, right. So yeah. So Catney probably isn't having trouble because the Mac's really good about writing files uh, immediately, and Linux is not. Whenever yeah, I'm pretty I good about you always doing syncs, but you know there may be times yeah. that I forget or I just and that that seems to it used. So it, I think it happens mostly when I'm updating code.py. <laughs> uh huh. But um, okay, I, again, uh, so if it, if it's persistent and I can, tr you know, get it, I'll, I'll put an issue out there. But if it just if uh, if other people start running into it, they might want to be aware too. And my general impression is that flash writing, both or internal, definitely, and I'm I have a suspicion that the external flash. Writing is also slower. I, it shouldn't be necessarily the external one, but um, that's a possibility. It's also. slower on the on all NRFs. On the NRFs, yeah. They, the yeah. the internal flash is definitely slower. You you notice how much longer it takes to load a UF two. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. But I it, it shouldn't be true that the Q spy should be slower on the NRFs than the Atmels. But we may. It's probably worth reviewing that code to see if. We have some unnecessary delays in there or something. Okay, and, and it's you know I'm getting used to reloading them now. <laughs> so okay. The uh, storage or flash file system it really is handy, so it works fast. The right, um, the internal file system is also twice as large as the SAMDs, right? Like it's a it's a full meg, I think. But maybe we don't write it all. I don't think you the UF two bootloader will only write. The parts that it needs to, right? So I don't think that's. It's just I was looking up, like to do. It's almost a tenth of a second to. It's like a hundred milliseconds to do a, a page erase or something. It's it's much worse than you'd think. Is um, it still? Is is it because it's doing all the BLE stuff? No. Oh, it's just like the actual data sheet. Oh, it's um, just slower. It's just slower, like. Um, I have that somewhere. I was amazed at how slow it was. Yeah. Well, I can't find it at the moment, but it was like to erase all flashes like a significant amount of time, and even to erase a, a single 4K flash page is a significant amount of time. Yeah, so. Jerry, I'm glad you brought that up though, because I thought it was only internal flash that's been having problems on NRF. So it's good to get that on my radar. So okay. It's external flash as well. Good. So there was that uh, pull request of mine, which we did merge for uh, fixing hard crashes or hard faults during USB writes on NRF only. Maybe there's something else lurking there. 
there's one bit that I commented. This is kind of dubious <laughs> because it was a hard crash trying to free GC memory while the GC wasn't active. And so is right. the content of that memory right at the time we were doing the last thing with it or not? I don't know. Uh, so I think it's entirely possible there's something still lurking there about uh, writing, and it would just be general corruption to internal or external flash. Yep. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised either. All right. Sounds good. Um, next uh, in the weeds topic is Scott. Yeah, so I just wanted to touch on uh, CircuitPython 2020. Uh, for those of you who knew, are new to the project, uh, basically we stole this idea from Rust, like all of our ideas. <laughs> um, but we basically want uh, everybody who's involved in CircuitPython to take uh, some time around the new year to, to think about what's important for CircuitPython from their perspective in 2020. Um, or for the new year. So if you if you take a look uh, last year, I did a post on the Adafruit blog on December 17th about CircuitPython 2019. Um, I'm not planning on doing that uh, before the holidays. My plan is to actually, hopefully on New Year's Day, do kind of like the call of like, hey, it's a new year, let's do this. And it'll be like two weeks for everybody to like publish their ideas and we reblog all of the, the stuff that folks write. And then uh, for that uh, meeting two weeks-ish into January, we'll kind of talk about it here in the weeds. And then we'll, then I'll, I will write like a summary blog post about all of it. So I uh, just wanted to give you a heads up kind of informally that like that's my plan for CircuitPython 2020. Um, would love to see you all write stuff uh, come January for that. So just start thinking about it, put it in the back of your brain. Um, any feedback on how we did last year uh, and and what we could do better this year is welcome as well. Okay, excellent. Just a quick question, Scott. Is the best way for us to submit stuff like that? It, is it best to like make your own blog posts and then and then that would be linked or what's kind of the format that you like to see for that? Uh, if you have if you have an Adafruit blog account, it can just go there. Uh, if you don't, we had some people just do like gists like on GitHub that we linked to because they like folks didn't have a blog of their own. So like it really can be any place. Just uh, let us know where it is and we'll link to it. Uh, just like anywhere publicly accessible on the Internet uh, is is kind of it. Basically, <laughs> and if you look easiest for you. Yeah. And I think it's pretty easy if we just look on the blog to just do CircuitPython 2019 and I think last year I did a just did it on my personal blog and linked to it in uh, the CircuitPython meeting yeah I'm pretty bad at doing it on my personal blog so I might have sent a uh, private message to you Scott I can't remember <laughs> right right uh, so yeah you can see here all the different folks that but I kind of I do want to push it pretty hard at the start of January to get everybody everybody's thoughts on it. Uh, I don't think it's worth trying to do that push before the holidays, though. That's I'm just kind of giving a heads up that that'll be different this year. Okay. Uh, next up in the weeds, we have a topic from Hair Effect. Hey. 
Um, trying to won't try to not take too much time since we're a little bit over here. Um, but uh, just wanted to retouch on the issue with the meow bit. Basically, uh, uh, someone else's um, bootloader running on this thing, and not really great options for loading Circuit Python onto it ourselves because it doesn't actually have a port for JTAG or SWD, uh, and it doesn't have accessible settings on the boot pins. Um, so all in all, it would be really great if we could get it running with their bootloader. And mm -hmm. uh, I was just, if anybody, has anybody who's still here on the chat actually worked with a Meowbit before? Crickets. Crickets. Okay, well, um, so I guess just, Scott, do you think that this is something that's worth spending time on, or is it just something that should? Uh... I think uh, document the way that you've been testing it, and then let's rope Phil into this and see if he can't reach out to them and, and get an answer from them. Okay, that sounds uh, like, great to me. Yeah. Like some info on how their bootloader works or whatever uh, would okay. be awesome. The other thing we've done, and we did this for the particle boards, is we actually like taught people how to replace the bootloader <laughs> mm. uh, with UF2. Um, but that's yeah, kind well, of like tried... a bit more drastic. Yeah, I tried. The, the issue right now is that, you know, they have a bootloader, like a custom bootloader. It's not the STM32 bootloader. Right. Um, and uh, so I tried repositioning CircuitPython's, you know, flash settings in the linker file to be able to generate a UF2 that could work with theirs. And mm -hmm. it just wasn't, wasn't loading. Like I couldn't, I couldn't get any feedback. That's what I was wondering if, if anybody had worked with it before right. they knew had experience trying to like flash MicroPython onto it or something because because right. they do do that but their MicroPython port is like it's a fork of MicroPython where they went in and changed all the linker files individually right like, yeah that doesn't just for me. their board yeah so yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. we were not the first fork of MicroPython we were just the first to rename it I I, I would yeah. say I it's we're it's not our ultimately our responsibility. I mean, it's nice that we can do the work, but if they want CircuitPython on the board, uh, I think it's it would be nice for them to spend some time on it as opposed to us. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I don't mean to do this as like an outreach thing. It's just that getting code onto this device without using their bootloader uh, would be a pretty big hurdle for people because it doesn't even have, it has SWD pads and they're not labeled and they're not right. documented. I had to figure out which ones they were with, uh, with the multimeter and then solder a pin header onto the side. And right. now it won't even fit in the case anymore. Like this is, this is not accessible flash. Right. So, uh, well, I think, well, I think really we cool carry board. it, right? So yeah, I mean, we carry it. It's a really cool board. It's got lots of features. I think it would actually be a really fun thing to support. But um, if we want to support it, I think it's it's going to take. We we would really want to solve this issue for sure. Yes, yeah, so I, I would say that. So let me ask this: I haven't used it. I don't know anything about it. How is the firmware updated currently? Uh, so when you, the way I'm uploading, or the way they do it. Well, I guess, uh, I'll, let me the rephrase. Board. Do you use a UF2 or not? I am not using, I, I am using SWD to upload binaries directly using the SWD pads that they did not document. Okay. So, so I, I'm getting code on the board. I've been under the impression that that was, that was our new, um, 
we'll call it line in the sand, goalpost, whatever. You know, we drop support for the NRF 52832. We dropped support for the ESPs because they didn't have onboard USB and you couldn't burn them with the, with the UF2 bootloader. So. Can you say I, that again? Uh, I got minorly distracted by Nick and Melissa's post. No, sorry. So it was my understanding, it's been my understanding that our line in the sand has been that if it doesn't support uh, UF2 bootloader and it doesn't have, you know, onboard USB, which obviously this probably does, but. It does, um, but not the UF2 bootloader part that we weren't going to include it in in the. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it does boards. have a UF2 bootloader. It's just not our UF2 bootloader. Oh, okay. All right. One of those. We just need to figure out how to make CircuitPython work with it. And okay, I've I've been in there. I tried like changing the CircuitPython linker settings. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a nice bootloader, and it shows up on the screen and everything. It's it's a cute little bootloader that does not work with our UF2s right now. So um, figuring out that it's it's full of magic. It's not documented. What documentation is there is in Chinese. So it would be super if we could get them to do it. Um, so I guess I think that that's a reasonable path forward. Here. So the, the reconfiguration stuff that I've been doing, I haven't done it for STM yet, but uh, where the different things are in memory um, in Flash, uh, when I make that happen on STM, it might be a lot easier to create uh, a bin or a bootloader that, I mean, a, a UF2 that is in the right place. It sounds like that's the main problem. It's in the right place or something. So... Uh, well, I mean, you can't, there, there are some complications with the bootloader on the STM32 because a lot of people put the, Put if they have a custom bootloader, I, everybody. It's confusing with when you're talking about bootloaders on the STM32 because STM32 has a built-in bootloader, which yeah. uh, you can activate. This isn't one of those. This is a custom bootloader that's in the beginning of Flash, and that's a little bit complicated too because when you put it in the beginning of Flash, um, you know, I'm still not totally sure how that works with vector tables. I haven't done enough boot bootloader work to um, be familiar with how it handles like vector table placement, but. I know it, it disables internal flash, so you can't because we need we need the beginning of flash if we're going to have an internal flash file system. So that's a little bit complicated. Okay, so I uh, I, I will look at. I mean, I'll look at this a little bit when I start porting over when I start uh, and, doing the flash layout stuff for STM thirty two, which I already did for Atmel and NRF because maybe uh, that will. Your work on that because uh, yeah. there's a lot of internal flash file system improvements that I need to make for STM32. Need to revisit that. Okay. Uh, sure, it has been a priority because all the all the kind of mainline chips are have have external flash. But um, yeah. that's an art on my to do list. Um, anyway, uh, it's it, so I'll uh, sorry, uh, Scott. What's the next step on this? Reach out to yeah. Let's just uh, send an email to the. Uh... To me and i can forward it or whatever like uh, the make code people probably have experience with it as well so they may be able to help too they may know to where the bootloader actually is and all that uh, none of this is an obstacle for me adding support in in the short term it's just like if we want to give you know adafruit customers a, a way to to upload this we'll, we'll want to get that done totally yeah yeah don't let it hang you up like keep keep working on a bunch of different boards and stuff cool we can always uh, make it better later yeah. Um, I think the next in the weeds, it's also me, uh, which I feel bad because we're dragging over. But um, 
Yeah, just a, another quick question for you, Scott. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's getting to the point with STM32 where I'm starting to run into some kind of serious hairiness with the boards versus MCU distinction, um, yeah. which yeah. is not really as big an issue for the NRF uh, or ML because you guys have kind of a, a restricted package set, it seems like. Um, well, I think, bigger I, I, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think I think it's we just leverage what the how gives us, I think, is what how we manage it like we just tell the how like this is our exact skew and it tells us like oh these pins exist these pins don't exist yeah yeah and i i unfortunately i don't have a kind of an out and out yeah full pin definition set in in my how that i can use so i was just wondering right now i've got like this kind of huge ugly conditional in the the common how and uh, microcontroller in it mm -hmm. um I was just wondering if you had, like, I was thinking about refactoring that into an actual, like, MCU folder uh, or something, like, in boards, or, like, trying to trying to get put that somewhere else so that it's a little bit clearer just what, or what, what layouts have what pins. I think, but, I, I think I if it's already factored out into Common Hell, it's fine. The thing that I would be wary for is if you find yourself copying files between board defs a lot, it may be a time for you to like split out and just have like some common files that get shared across boards. I actually mean that I kind of have the opposite problem where I have all of the pin defs in this one init.c, like like all of the labels for the pins yeah. right. right now are in microcontroller init.c, and I have a ton of if mcu packages like over a hundred if it's under a hundred if it's w equal to 144 you know include right. pins like it's it's uh and it's getting to be kind of a mess and, and not very flexible why do you say it's a mess uh just because going in it? and changing it per mcu is getting a little bit annoying um just because i guess i could just rethink the way that i I do it just like use use kind of the MicroPython style, like if equal to any one of these boards and any one of these layouts. Maybe I just make it need to make it more comprehensive, but just keep it where it is. I think um, it's just a lot of info, and as long as it's understandable how it's structured, I think it's fine. Okay. Um, like I said, I, what would be a bitter, bigger egg flag for me is if stuff is being duplicated a bunch, but. If it's just some complexity that's isolated to a single file, but it's consistent complexity okay. in the sense of like, you know, uh, if doing conditionals based on pin size, like number of pins on a package like that, yeah. that seems fine to me. Um, okay. So right. I, um, I wouldn't get too far ahead yeah. of that. Um, but if you find like, oh, I need to add this specific thing and like suddenly you're like for every if you're having to do another condition on it like that might be the point to rethink yeah, it. i guess like you know the one just an example would be like this pb11 thing where it's like if the mcu package is on the 405 but it's not the 144 but it is one of these other three packages then you include this pin right like it's mm -hmm. it's it doesn't make a lot of the conditional by itself doesn't make a lot of sense i guess or it's, and every time I add a new thing, I have to work it into that conditional somehow. Right, right. Yeah, I'm. 
sometimes what can happen is that it's better to be positive about what the conditional is rather than negative. So like it's these five cases where this is true versus like this case, except for that case. Like, Well, this uh, is good feedback. It sounds like it's better to keep all the complexity in one place rather than doing a duplication, which probably would be the alternative. So uh, I'll take that to heart and refactor my conditions. Yeah, and feel free to snag me on it and be like, this is this is one that I feel is like super messy. Do you have any suggestions? We can do it cool. on kind of a like condition by condition basis. That's good. Sorry for the, the extra time here. No worries. I'm I've got a topic too. <laughs> All right. Speaking of which, next up uh, is Scott. Yeah. So um, lastly, uh, I wanted to just get a feeling for folks uh holiday meeting schedule um next week is full of holidays um and the week after is new year's and typically i think what we've done is we've actually kind of missed our regular mondays and we've just picked one between christmas and new year's is the way to do it mm -hmm. um so I want to get folks feedback, but basically what we would do is we'd skip the next two Mondays, which is the, which are the 23rd and the 30th. Uh, and we could do like the 27th, which, which is the Friday between Christmas and New Year's. Um, and then we would start back on our regular Mondays on the 6th of January. So what do folks think? I might be gone on the 27th. Or okay. we might even we might have a staycation, but we were talking about not doing that, work. That's totally fine. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm gonna try not to work next week at all either. But um, the so we could just skip two weeks. But I think I in the past we've thought that that's like kind of a bit much. Um, I think maybe this time it with everything falling exactly on Tuesday and Wednesday, it kind of. I think just messes a lot of things up. I think in this case, maybe um, just skip it. All right. Yeah, I think that's, I think it's okay. Yeah, skipping sounds good to me too. Uh, well, well, I'll have updates, but probably like, it'll between the two weeks, it won't be like two weeks worth of updates in the normal case. Right, so the, I was gonna say if, if we just skip it, we're just, yeah. I'm going to try to at least keep up with Discord because I, I think, you know, one thing we find is that like the folks that aren't paid to do this actually do a lot over the holidays. Uh, so I am going to try to kind of keep up with that stuff, but I'm not going to do anything myself. Okay. I actually want to do the game. I want to do Game Boy stuff. That's what I want to do. Do you think it would, would it make any sense to have like like a notes only That's doc that what just post? That seems like a reasonable compromise. Just have a So the Google Doc. Create the notes and have them posted for the week and let people um, put their notes in and then post it to the repo. And When would we want to do that? How about we do that on the 27th? And that way it goes out on the last newsletter of the year? Yeah. I think that would work. All right. That works for me. All right. Yeah, I think all of the Adafruit or the Asking Engineers and Show and Tells are on schedule. They're telling them we're going to do those on Christmas and on New Year's still. So our next voice meeting will be three weeks from now.
Uh, sounds good. Hey. I would still create the notes doc, you know, obviously a few days yep. in advance, and then we'll let people uh, we'll let people do their All thing. All right, that works for me. All right. Can excellent. I ask one 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 final in the weeds question before we go? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is, um, does the the fix you put in when you do the release of beta two? Um, do, uh, I think that has the fixes in. Will that break all non-express boards to wipe out their file systems? Only maybe on NRF. Only, only maybe NRFs. Okay. I can remember. Yeah. Okay. I don't, it, I tried to make the, it's, it's a little bit tricky because there are some third party boards that have some very non-standard settings, probably unintentionally. <laughs> And so I, I, I assume you'll put a, a warning in there in the oh, release. Oh yeah, just want to yeah. make it. Yeah, bold, um, bold caps, right? Okay. So, yeah. so what would you expect to see though? Is any any of the only only on the NRF? So the non-express boards basically get a clean a clean slate when you upload, I which think is fine. That will happen, right? Okay. Because but you don't expect it on the, uh, on the damage. Even though we'd like to move the file system on the Atmel boards, there are too many out there. Okay, and it's not that big a deal. So, but okay. it's just some of them. Some of the third-party boards like unintentionally said like no NVM or an odd NVM size or something, and maybe I undid a couple of those. But I don't think so. I, but I would just tell people to be careful. I tried not to, but <laughs> well, maybe, people have to always be able to accept a, a corrupted file system. So <laughs> it's yeah, a good test. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they just need to back up their stuff before updating. Yeah. Right. Thanks. All right. This has been an epic meeting, and I think we are ready to wrap up. Uh, this has been the CircuitPython Weekly for December 16th, 2019. Um, we will get this posted to YouTube and... Uh, you got, as well as podcasts. So if you're listening to this later, um, thanks for sticking around. Uh, and other than that, I want to thank everybody for participating. Again, um, if you want to join us on Discord, either for this meeting or anytime during the week, uh, feel free to do so uh, at adafru.it slash Discord. We are around um, during the week as well, not during the meetings. So thanks again to everybody that participated as this will be our last meeting uh, before the holidays. I hope everyone has an excellent holiday. Uh, again, our next meeting will be a notes only edition on the 27th of December. And then following that, the next uh, regular voice meeting will be on the 6th of January. And we will post that information to the CircuitPython channel as well. So thank you everyone and have a wonderful holiday. Bye. Later. Have a good holiday everybody. Bye everyone. Bye. <laughs>